from the beginning, you have been the God that pursues and you are pursuing us. Even in this moment, whatever it is that would stand between us and you today, God, remove it, even if it's for a moment. Silence every lie, break down every barrier, shut the voice of religion, and let us hear your truth today. You wanna speak to your kids, you love your kids dearly, deeply, fully. You are coming after us today. May our hearts be ready and willing and where the heart is hard, make it soft. Let us be sponges of your words and your truth same energy we give to the negative voices in our lives, may we give to the voice of God today. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Woo! Palm Sunday. Can you imagine being there? Jesus is coming in, riding a donkey, not a horse, not to conquer, but to die for the sins of humanity. They're singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting this out loud. God is proclaiming that this is the moment. And the Pharisees, the religious ones, are over on the side. This is why religion is so deadly. Saying, you need to quiet them. You need to shut them up. And Jesus looks at them and says, (laughs) Sure, but if they don't, the rocks will. And then how foolish will we feel? This day was going to happen, whether it was the rocks or the people, right? It was going to happen. Jesus was going to come. And I think sometimes we imagine, you know, Jesus is on that donkey and he's giving the Cinderella wave as they're... I think that's what we, you know, if you're, maybe that's just me, which is warped. We are a Disney family, so maybe that's, that's why, I don't know. I just don't think that, matter of fact, this is his posture. It actually, and I don't know if we hear this enough in the triumphal entry, we know what Jesus was facing. We know what Jesus was coming to do. And in verse 41, this is his posture. This is what Jesus was doing in the moment. As he came closer to Jerusalem, this is after he had this dialogue with the religious leaders, and he's probably, again, sorrowful to his core He sees the city ahead, Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of David, began to weep. He began to weep. Guys, he's not shedding a tear. He's weeping. The Savior of the world is weeping. And why is he weeping? He says why. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. I wish that you wouldn't have missed this moment. I wish that you would have seen what was happening and not call it into question, but realize it's a fulfillment of prophecy that I have come to bring salvation to this world. I wish that you would understand if you would listen and you would follow, if you would see me, if you would just see me, that there would be peace, but it's too late. And he's weeping He says, it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes before long. And by the way, Jesus in this moment, some 40 years before it will happen, predicts exactly what will happen in 70 AD when the Jerusalem was destroyed. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God 
visited you. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem because they did not recognize this very visitation of God. May we not be a people that don't recognize when God shows up. When God comes, when God speaks, when God calls. See, we're in this series called that series just went, thank you. The series just went way up, just poop. You ever had that happen? So we're in this series called. I'm going to go down and start over. Plot twist. I don't even know why I was even talking about that now. And the things we're talking about, the story of God unleashed in our story, our identity. Grief and its role in our life, lament, trust, are the things that God invites us into. And I actually think they're actually the real beginning of the race, that if we would just get these, God has this marathon open for us of what he wants to do in and through our lives. But too often the church is laid, tripped up in the gate, trying to figure out how to trust who we are. And if Christ came riding into Lake Zurich on a donkey, and he looked at your life, what would make him weep? See, it's already happened. The triumphal entry, the dying on a cross, the being laid to rest, the rising from the dead. We're not celebrating that because it hasn't happened. We're celebrating it because it has. We're learning things. And if we can learn anything, what we ought to learn in this moment is that God has something for us that will transform and change us from the inside out. So some 2,000 years later, after he's done this, are we still missing him? Are you still missing him? Chasing a different narrative than the one he's put in front of you, letting something else define us, refusing to grieve and trust, And forgive, are we still fighting to earn what we can't earn? I'm just posing some questions. I want to talk with us this Palm Sunday about forgiveness and its importance in our lives. Aren't you glad we're talking about forgiveness today? Here's why I ask that. How many of you sitting in this room because of something that happened to you or something that someone did or something someone allowed are sitting right now in this space. Yes, you love Jesus. Yes, you follow God. And there is no shame and guilt and condemnation. We're family. We can process this together, right? You're holding unforgiveness towards someone in your past. Raise your hand. Or your present. Raise your hand. All right. Okay, so a moment of self-awareness, if I can. Um, I think more of us hold unforgiveness than we realize. Let me ask you this. How many of you have hurt someone? Raise your hand. Oh, we got a little bit more on that one. Let's try this. How many of you have been hurt by someone? Oh, wait, so that's all of us. So statistically, if we have all been hurt by someone, we have probably all hurt someone. And so hurt is part of the landscape of our lives, which means that there's possibility when hurt happens for there to be forgiveness or unforgiveness. And there are times when unforgiveness can exist and we not know it's there. There's also times when we can ignore it. That works. And so what I want you to open your heart to today 
is if there be any unforgiveness in your heart or life, what you see or don't see, that you would be willing to lay it down. That's where we're headed. Because it's, it's, the opportunities are there for all of us. Uh, let me just remind you what Holy Week is all about. Jesus lived an amazing life and modeled how we should live. It was a revolution. He upended everything and turned it upside down. He dies on a cross for the sins of humanity. They bury him in the grave and think they have taken care of the problem. And no, three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. And then he goes and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's what this week is taking us towards and reminding us of. of. So victory, if you will, is our birthright as followers of Christ. Did you hear me? Victory is our inheritance. Whether you feel like you're winning or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have won. Okay, we're getting there. I'm going to let you stay right there for a second because it gets better. Let me put it to you this way. We've been called to be overcomers. Not under the circumstances, but over the circumstances. Overcomers. You are either overcoming something or being overcome by it. You're not in the middle. You're either overcoming it or being overcome by it. First John 5, 45, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Did you catch that? This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. How many of you in here believe and your life is built around following the one who is the son of God? Raise your hand. You are an overcomer. Your inheritance and birthright is victory. Something should be burning right here. Revelation 12, 11, They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their life so much as to shrink from death. Here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us the ability to cope. He died on the cross to give you the ability to live as a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Not just to cope. If we're just coping, then we've missed something that God is trying to provide us and speak to us even as his church. That's the story of God. That's our identity. That's why we grieve and can grieve. It's why we can trust. It's what leads us to forgiveness, if you will. This issue of forgiveness or unforgiveness is huge because we all get hurt all the time. How many got hurt this week? Raise your hand. It's okay. We, I mean, we get hurt. People do things that are dumb, right? They're not sensitive. We're fragile, we're easily hurt. We're not easily hurt. We ignore it. We say we're not, but we get hurt. It's part of the landscape. People do things. We're human. Hurt people what? Hurt people. Family members hurt us. Friends hurt us. People we work with hurt us. People we go to church with hurt us. Amen? And a lot of times it's those who we're closest to hurt us. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there's a lot of opportunity for unforgiveness. And to be honest, a lot of times it's just life and it's manageable, the hurt that comes, and it doesn't always affect us deeply. But some cases it's devastating because of things that have happened to us or things others have done or said. And for some of us, it's beyond our ability to even comprehend what some of you have walked through, and we admit that. No matter what that tragedy, that trauma, that hurt, that thing was, for us to imagine that you could have walked through that, did walk through that, have walked through that, suffering is beyond comprehension. 
And we want you to know that. And yet God never gives us the freedom to not forgive. We simply have to forgive in most circumstances, every circumstance. Why? Because you and I, who follow Jesus, have been forgiven in every circumstance. Plot twist is coming. You feeling it? You're wanting it right now, aren't you? Like, just, can we get to the plot twist where it gets really good? It's getting good. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 18 with me if you have your Bibles. Now, we, in the church world, know Matthew 18 well. We like to use Matthew 18, or we ought to at least use it more, because it's how we should act and behave when somebody sins against us or hurts us or offends us. This is how we ought to handle it. That's in the verses prior to the one I'm going to read. And so Jesus said, this is how you handle it. There is a way to handle hurt with one another, by the way. And Jesus is talking about that. And when he gets done talking about that, Peter has a question. All right? And I think anytime Jesus saw Peter's hand in the air, he was like, oh, gosh. (laughs) What? (laughs) Verse 21, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter's like, seven feels good? (laughs) I mean... Right? Because we live under the system. If you hurt me, shame on you. If you hurt me twice, shame on me. So seven, I'm going the distance. Right? Jesus responds. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. (laughs) But 77 times. Or other translations would say, you ready for this? 70 times seven. That's 490. And some of us are sitting here and we're going... Sweet, so if we get to 489, then just one more. First of all, if you're at 489, there might be some boundaries that need to be established. (laughs) Just saying. 489, so then at 490, here's what Jesus is trying to say in this passage. I want you to hear it. Are you ready? You, You should always forgive. You should just always forgive. Just forgive. That's what he's trying to say to Peter. And then he says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he uses this backdrop with Peter to tell us what the kingdom looks like when it comes to forgiveness. I want you to hear this. The the kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, just to put that in our language, most scholars believe that is anywhere between 10 million and $3 billion in our money today. Was brought to him Since he was not able to pay, obviously, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, he didn't ask for him to cancel the debt. Cancel the Didn't he need to go to counseling to figure out how to forgive him here? Didn't he need to have to take time? Sometimes true. Not here. Forgive him. You can go. Could you imagine if you owed somebody 10 million and they were going to take everything and, and you were get, and they just said forgiven? You might dance no matter whether you're extrovert or introvert. 
Right? When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii, one denarii is a day's wage, so 100 denarii would be about a third of a year's salary. So let's say $20,000. He gathered him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay or should pay back all that he owed. This is how, now Jesus is talking back to Peter and his disciples and all of us. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Unless you forgive your brother from your head. From your heart. This is the journey this morning. How do we do that? How do we forgive from our heart? Because we all have people that we need to forgive This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. This is an eye-opening story. Here's why I say eye-opening story. Because when I'm reading it, I'm like this. Eye-opening. Like every time I read this, it's like, whoo! Like this is intense. And so I'm telling you that Jesus is telling the story to show us what unforgiveness looks like from God's perspective. So three eye-opening truths surrounding forgiveness that we need to know today, that will hopefully awaken our hearts, at least begin a process of laying this down. Because to be honest with you, some of us are holding really tight to it. Number one, it's eye-opening how serious God takes it. It's eye-opening how serious God takes it. Literally, God has zero tolerance for unforgiveness. Zero. There is never a situation that God will allow us to not forgive. Whew. You mean, yep. What a, yep. Just go with me. Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive your brother and sister from your heart, my father will turn you over to be tortured. It's, it's right here in the scripture. He says it right here. Turn them over to the jailers to torture them. You will be turned over to be tortured. Go with me. Hear this. Unforgiveness is torture. This isn't that God is going to torture you. Your unforgiveness is going to torture you. And listen to me, is torturing you. It is keeping you. It is keeping us. It is keeping me from the very things God is calling us to do. A, because we don't know it's there. B, because we're holding on too tightly. Or C, we don't know what to do with it. And we've got to let it go. It's crucial to where God is trying to take you, where he's trying to take us. Unforgiveness is torture. It's torture physically. Listen to this, what unforgiveness causes. There's studies done. Stress, ulcers, nervous disorders, headaches, high blood pressure, skin problems. Some of you are like, I'm figuring out right now what's wrong with me. It's unforgiveness. I mean, it impacts our body. The list goes on. There are many physical problems caused by the lack of forgiveness. Why? Because God never created us to be containers for hatred. 
He never created us to be that. We're not supposed to hold all of that in. And when we decide to keep something inside us like unforgiveness and bitterness, it eats us alive physically, tortures us. How about emotionally? We love this conversation. Outbursts of anger. Don't point to anybody right now. Mood swings. Personality. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone, let's just say husband and wife or brothers and sisters or friends, and they're just acting different than they normally act? And you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, there is. And it may not be what's going on between, a lot of times it is. So there's a hurt. There's an opportunity for unforgiveness. There might be unforgiveness settling in, okay? And it changes us emotionally. Depression. Matter of fact, the clinical definition for depression is anger turned inward. Your emotions only have a limited amount of energy to sustain you. And anger is the most depleting emotion. And so we find ourselves exhausted we find ourselves in these moments that we can't seem to cope, and a lot of times that's what depression is. And many of us are medicating because of it. And the answer isn't medication, it's forgiveness. Now listen to me, I am not speaking against medication. <laughs> Don't go off your medication. Because <laughs> some of you will. Don't. What I'm trying to tell you is we're trying to fix the problem outwardly when it's an inward problem. And so we're not just taking medication that a doctor gives us, but we're taking pills to calm us. That one glass of wine once a week is now every night. We're drinking to hold ourselves up. We're watching porn. We're watching too much TV. We're medicating. I'm yelling again. I tell myself when I come here, just talk to the people. destroying us. Listen, some people need medication, but I think we're an over-medicated society because we aren't doing what God says, which is forgive. Spiritually, not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's separation from God's grace. God loves you, yeah, and you're saved. You're not losing that, but he will only give you the amount of grace you're willing to give away. That's what he's saying. If we want God's river of grace to flow through us, then we can't be a dam of judgment and unforgiveness, or it doesn't flow. This is what Jesus is saying in the story. This man's forgiveness was revoked because of his unwillingness to forgive someone else. Taken away. Hear this. And this, one will, this one will mess some of you up, and I, I need to spend a moment here. Demonic oppression comes through unforgiveness. Some of you are like, you're talking about demons? I am. You know a third of the angels fell from grace. We see that in Scripture. That third became demonic spirits under the control of the enemy of our soul, Lucifer, the devil. And those spirits wreak havoc on people. Matter of fact, they possess people. We see that in the Bible. They cannot, however, possess a believer in Christ. Why? Because we are gods. We are bought with a price. We are owned by him, so I can't be owned by a demonic spirit. But I can be oppressed by it. The Bible calls it demonizing. I can give it an opening, if you will. You ever been being chased by someone like your dad or, or a, an older brother or sister and you're scared to death and your heart's pumping and you're running and you just got to make it to the door so that if you can get in the door, you can close it and lock it. Do you know what I'm saying? And you get there and you're running, you close the door and boom, they put the foot in. 
and you're like, I'm dead. <laughs> right? Because once I get the foot in, what's happening? They're way, way stronger than you in your own strength. Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, because you're going to get angry. That's not the sin. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Let me just say to all of you married folks and friendships, it's not just don't go to bed angry. That's a part of it. Sure. Why? Because here's what happens. When we go to bed on the anger, then we open ourselves. We leave an opening. We leave a foothold for the enemy of our soul to come in and plant a lie. What's happening in the middle of the night is the enemy is using the open door you gave him by not dealing with the unforgiveness, and he is going to begin to sow lies. He's counseling you through the night so that when you wake up, that anger is worse. And you don't even know how. Why? Because he slips in. He's a liar. He's a thief. He comes slyly in. He plants a lie. He leaves. You don't even know that he was there. And he is destroying us. We find ourselves letting the sun go down on the anger, meaning don't go to bed, meaning don't let it stay. Deal with it. Deal with it quick. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. All unforgiveness opens the door for the devil to come and oppress us. And when God says it's torture, it is. It's relationally torture. It's socially torture. I mean, look at our society. Look at the division. Look at racism. Think of all the destruction that hate has caused. In marriages, in families, in the culture, in our community, in the nation, in the church. Because we're letting unforgiveness sit. And part of that, can I just speak real frank and real honest? We are way too fragile. I'll say it again. We are way too fragile because we have allowed our identity to be in everything but Jesus. Because when your identity is in Jesus, when it is fully in Jesus, you get durable. And you get more and more durable. And you begin to go, wow, that usually would hurt me, but that didn't hurt me. Hey, that didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. That didn't hurt me. Right? It's just like, but for most of us, we're hurt all the time. There's a fragility there. That's an identity thing. I was, time out, time back in. There's this destruction that hatred and unforgiveness causes. Some of my favorite quotes on forgiveness, give me a couple of them. The poison of unforgiveness, unforgiveness damages the vessel it's stored in worse than anything you can spit it on. I know, that was a lot. Let me get to you again. The poison of unforgiveness damages the vessel it's stored in worse than anything you can spit it on. See, we think it's our right to be angry and hurt and not forgive. And sure, it might be, but to your detriment to your own destruction. It is actually destroying you. Forgiveness does not make them right. It just makes me free. <laughs> one more. Forgiveness is one of the most self-loving things you will ever do. You're like, well, but they, nope. Get it out. Get it out. Forgiveness is the mother of all issues. If you're hurting from something someone has done to you, if you won't forgive, you won't be healed. We can trace a lot of what's going on in your life where there's tension in relationships, where there's things you're battling and things you're struggling, whether it's with yourself or with other people, back to a moment where something happened and you have not dealt with that unforgiveness. 
And God is calling you to that space, not by yourself, but with others. That's what we've been talking about. You'll carry the scar for the rest of your life until you come to the place where you're willing to forgive. And if we don't forgive from the heart, God says he won't forgive our sins. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, this is how you pray. Forgive us our debts as we what? Forgive our debtors. He will give us as much grace as we give away. And when Jesus finishes in Matthew 6, teaching us the Lord's Prayer, the only part he repeats is at the end when he says, if you don't forgive each other, God will not forgive you. He repeats it. Forgiveness is conditional on our ability to forgive. It's eye-opening how serious God takes forgiveness. Second, go through these really quick. It's eye-opening how small it is to God, unforgiveness that is. God is in heaven looking down on us, struggling to forgive, and Jesus tells the story. A man owes his master millions and something he could never repay, and so he forgives him, and the man goes out and finds a fellow servant that owes him, and he strangles him and says, pay it back, and the guy says, I can't, and so he says, okay, then you're into jail until you can pay it back, and the servants around are going, are you kidding me? We know what just happened. We know the testimony, and you do that, and so they go tell the master, and the master's furious. Are you kidding me? After all, I forget. Who's forgiven more in this world in your life? God or you? God has forgiven way more. That's what unforgiveness seems like for God. It's eye-opening how small it is to God. Third one, it's eye-opening how different we are from God. We aren't like him. We want to be. And some of us are growing in that. But look at Psalms 103. Go to Psalms 103 with me. This is our God. This is what David talks about. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgave all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. What? Then crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desire with good things. Skipping down. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Wouldn't it be great if we were just slow to anger? He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger. He does not treat us as others. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Man, are you getting this? So aren't you glad God is a forgiving God? Aren't you glad that he does for us what we struggle to do for others? This is how God is when we come to his throne of grace. So what does it mean to forgive? And what does that look like? What is, it, what is this passage telling us? I wanted to get to that. And then I'm going to tell you how we, how we begin to change our heart, not just our head. And we'll be done. Is that cool? <laughs> so if you would have said no, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Real fast. What does it mean to forgive? It's once and for all, once and for all. Hear me, once and for all, forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. That's what it is. It's bringing the balance. That's what we see in this story. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an explanation and you don't owe me an apology. Would it be nice to have one? Sure. Would it be nice to understand? Sure. But your forgiveness of them isn't dependent upon it. If it is, we're in trouble. It goes to zero. Forgiveness means in the Greek to send away. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, 
God actually has the ability to forget. Why didn't he do north-south? Because there's a north pole and a south pole, and you can measure that. East and west, you can't measure. It's as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he throws your sin, and he forgets. He has the ability to do that. You have to hear that. And when God forgives you, you're 100% forgiven, and it doesn't have any bearing on your relationship with him after that. Jesus paid the price so you didn't have to pay it. When it comes to unforgiveness in your life, someone has to pay it. So when you say, I forgive you, you're saying, I'm willing to pay the price for you. You're forgiven. It's what the master did that the servant wasn't willing to do. And then what does it mean to forgive? Well, once and for all. Once and for all, forfeiting the right of rebuke and judgment. Simply meaning it's over. Private and publicly. I'm not going to keep this thing stirred up. I'm not going to keep talking about it to you. I'm not going to keep talking about it to others. If I forgive you, it's done. It's over. Unforgiveness, when it becomes forgiveness, ends. Here's what it doesn't mean. I need you to hear these really quick. It doesn't mean I lose the right of self-protection. If someone is abusing you, get away from them. You can still protect and forgive. It's not continuing to be a target of abuse. It also doesn't mean I have no basis for confrontation. I can forgive you, but still confront you. But what you say or do doesn't impact my behavior, whether you receive it or not. Your response isn't a condition for my forgiveness. Yes, confront. Yes, have the conversation. And wouldn't it be great if every time we confronted, people went, ah, ow, that hurt. (laughs) 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 Don't do that. Where was I? Okay, I got it. I'm sorry. I am wrong. And I can't believe that I did that to you. And will you forgive me? That will not be all your stories. But you don't need that. That's great. That's reconciliation. I believe relationships can be better if we'll allow them. So if you're the one holding back, then maybe God needs to do something in your heart today too. Because someone's trying to come in forgiveness and deal with it. And lastly, it doesn't mean there isn't punishment or consequences. I forgive you, but there still might be action that has to be taken. Some forms of unforgiveness for those of us who maybe don't feel like we have any unforgiveness. Let me give you a few. Revenge, hate, slander, gossip. Sarcasm. Oh, sarcasm. There's a little bit of truth in everything. Verbal abuse, name calling, rejection and avoidance for punishment's sake. You did this to me, so I'm going to reject and avoid you and punish you. Withholding good, transference of affection. I'll just like them more than you. Bigotry, prejudice, racism, sexism, bitterness, which is rehearsing the hurt. Internally wishing for bad things to happen to them. Don't do that. Praying against them. Please don't do that. How do I forgive from my heart? Here it is. Let me give you these really fast. How do I forgive from my heart? He didn't say forgive from your head. How many have things that need to be for, you need to forgive? You got to let go of some things. Raise your hand. We're, we're discovering that. God's revealing the Holy Spirit is at work. I gotta, here's how you do it. Remember our sin cost Jesus his life. Remember our sin, your sin cost Jesus. This is what the foolish servant forgot. The Romans and Jews did not kill Jesus. You did. It's real, we can be real hard on them, can't we? The Romans and Jews did not kill Jesus. You did. You did. You did. 
I did. I put him there. You and I personally killed the most righteous man in the history of the world, and we deserve judgment for it, but God in his mercy has forgiven us millions. <sighs> Isn't it good? But you don't know what they did to me. I don't. And it's tragic, and it will be hard. But do you know what you did to Jesus? Do you? You don't know what they did to me. Do you know what we did to Jesus? He was beaten, unrecognizable. His beard ripped out, thorns crushed on his head. Carried his own cross to his death and was nailed to it. Suffered in suffocation for the sins of this world. And then he looks and he says, Father, what? Forgive them. Now, you don't forgive people who aren't guilty. For they know not what they do. That's not innocence, that's guilt, for they know not what they do. They ought to know what they're doing. Listen to me, you ought to know what you're doing. You did that. I did that. Don't blame it on someone else. He suffered what he suffered for me because he loves me. And I know that. I'm knowing that more all the time. It's changing how I see people. It's changing how I live. It's changing how I act and forgive if Jesus was riding in on a donkey today, I want to be his joy, not his reason for tears. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who owes his master millions and can't repay it, but the master forgives him. Anyway, when it comes to settle accounts with those who have done you wrong, you need to remember who you are. Second, remember God's love. God loves our offender as much as he loves us. <sighs> he loves our offender as much as he loves us. All unforgiveness begins with devaluing someone. The only way you can carry your unforgiveness is to make them less than you. So we put them down here to say, because they did this, they're this. So that's the only way it works is to bat. Seeing people as Jesus sees them changes it. Every person your physical eye sees is deeply loved by God. Third, let go and let God. Gosh, I can't believe I said that. I grew up on that, and that just was annoying. Let go, let God. But I said it. It's one of the last points here. Hope you wrote it down. Let go of the debt that they owe you. And trust God with the judgment. Vengeance is mine, say the Lord. He will deal with it. He will. Forgiveness is saying, if there's any judgment, it's God. Four, pray and bless them. Pray and bless them. <laughs> Probably one of the most important ones. Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. You have to bless them. Regardless of who you hate, the people around you will get the worst end of it. Listen to me. Remember, it's destroying you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so you know who pays the price for your unforgiveness? The people closest to you. Pay the price. So you gotta bless them. You gotta pray blessing over them. I was reading a story of a pastor who had a guy in the church that was annoying. Matter of fact, really annoying. Betrayed him. Stirred dissension up. Always worked against him. And he said, I had a real hard time forgiving. I didn't want to forgive. Matter of fact, I wished that he would die. And God said, 
pray and bless him. Pray for him. I said, no. <laughs> no, pray for him. So he started to pray. Not just one day, but the next day. Wouldn't it be great if we celebrated Holy Week by dealing with our unforgiveness? Lay it down. Prayed. He said, one day God gave me a vision of this little boy. He said, this little boy was hurting. And then God revealed to me that that little boy was the man that I couldn't forgive. This is what he heard God say. You see that man for what he did to you, and I see that man for what was done to him. Hurt people hurt people. Blessing forces forgiveness out of your head into your heart. If you can't bless, you haven't forgiven. You won't be free until you do. Fifth, resist the devil. He's the accuser. Don't go to bed angry. Don't take up offense. Don't rehearse the hurt and pain. Reverse it. Forgive. Resist the devil. This is a big one. And then lastly, stand with me. How many of you in this room, by a show of hands, have made some mistakes? Leave them up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We've made them. Yep. How many of you, and you can put them down. That's right, if I tell you, put Simon says. Put them down. How many of you in this room can say that there's other people's mistakes have hurt me but deeply? You can put them down. How many of you, because of Jesus and the cross, his death and resurrection, know what it means to be forgiven of a whole lot? Raise your hand. Yeah. And so here's here's what happens. I'm going to give you this. If you want to get this forgiveness from head to heart or experience it at all, here's a way to almost guarantee it outside of those five I just gave you, this last one. God's role in our life for the rest of our life and more often through pain and suffering than anything else is to reveal to us where we're wrong, where we believe wrong, where we think wrong, the lies that exist, the hurt that's not been healed. That's what he's doing to make us into the image of his son. And when he reveals it, our response is to repent. God, I am sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. And what does God do? He rushes to forgive you. Yes, before you even got out of your mouth, I was there. I'm forgiving you. And it's not, I get saved in my past, present, future. Yes, that is true for eternity, but every day of your life, so God is getting your heart into the image of his son, repentance has to happen daily, regularly, because we make mistakes daily and regularly, because we have lies we've believed for a long time. And so we repent, we repent, we repent, we repent. God, I'm wrong. Repenting is changing my mind. I was going this way. My wants, my loves, my desires were taking me this way. But God, you are correcting my course. Hear me. What helps me live in a state of forgiveness is a posture of repentance. What helps me live in a state of of forgiveness is a posture of repentance. When I'm daily reminded of what God did for me, it's a whole lot easier to extend it to someone else. Now, if you're in this space, you're saying, man, this is big and I'm holding this. Don't walk this by yourself. First of all, know there's the Holy Spirit. Second of all, know that God's word will carry us through with his promises and his character. But third, bring people around you to walk with you. 
and let God bring forgiveness to those places of unforgiveness so that forgiveness and grace can flow to you. It's destroying you. It's not destroying them. Most of them don't even know it. Am I right? And so we're going to, we're going to, actually we're not going to, we're going to sing this song, but it's, it's like, here's what I want to pray over you. And if you're here and you're saying, man, this runs deep for me, there's going to be some of us, some of our elders, and some of our pastors will be over here by the cross. I want to pray with you. But if you're sitting here saying, man, I am more aware now than I've ever been of what unforgiveness is doing in my life. And I want the Holy Spirit to come and take me on a journey. And I'm open to that journey and I'm ready for that journey. Whatever it looks like, would you raise your hand and say, that's me right here. Keep it up because we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit would come in his power and his presence. And for some of us that may need going to, to talk to somebody who is a professional, it may be pulling people around to just get it out. It may be going to that person. God may have reconciliation. There may be people coming to you. Get ready to be Jesus. God, in this place right now, for those who have raised their hands, who are carrying this, God, I have some myself. You're revealing things about my past and the betrayals of my past where I have not forgiven people and I am rushing to forgive because there is freedom that comes and I'm a different father and I'm a different husband and I'm a different friend. I'm a different pastor. I'm a different human being when freedom shows up because unforgiveness is gone. And God, that is a journey that we're inviting everyone with their hand raised on and every person that deals with hurt on a regular basis to forgive. We pray against any stronghold in the name of Jesus that has a hold, whether it's through a lie, whether it's through an open door, we close that in Jesus' name. We break those bonds. And we ask you, God, to come with healing power. We pray that forgiveness would come, that we would pray prayers of blessing, knowing that what you did for us, we can do for them. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May you know the peace that Jesus wept because it was missing in Israel. May you know that peace today. May you be his joy because you are. May you forgive. We love you. Have an incredible week.